0: All right, good job. Thank you guys so much. Um, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Uh, We're going to be in Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 is where we will be this morning. Um, Man, what a journey so far through the book of Acts. God has, uh, I don't know about you, but he's really stretched me, challenged me, has really just, um, I believe by way of the Holy Spirit, just kind of worked me over. Uh, It's just been an amazing thing to just see Uh, Some of the work that he's been doing in the hearts of of our people, Um, like I said again, as as well as as me, uh, as we look at the early church and see what God was all about from the very beginning of what he set forth to be his bride. And so um, last week we were in chapter 13 and uh, we just saw how God, uh, by way of the gospel, brings this group of people together who would normally never be able to function together. He brings them together in their leadership at the church of Antioch and how they don't just uh, tolerate each other. They don't just kind of make do and kind of overlook some things, but how that because of the gospel, they are together. And because of the gospel, they can love one another. They can serve one another. They can actually be what Christ calls us to be as the people of God. And he breaks apart. Uh, I mean, just the, the background stuff, the... the, 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 the um, the things that separate and divide because of the gospel. And so we looked, and two people in particularly, uh, we look at Barnabas, and we said that anytime, God, uh, anytime the apostles rename you, Uh, son of encouragement, that's a big deal. And so you've got Barnabas who uh, got it early on. Barnabas is the one early on in the book of Acts who ends up selling uh, everything that he's got and just giving it to the disciples to distribute as they see need. Uh, Barnabas is just a a man of encouragement, a man that's uh, walking uh, with God, walking after God. And then you've got who we know Saul, who we know becomes Paul, but Saul was the complete opposite. He did everything that he possibly could to try to destroy the church, to try to stop the spread of the gospel. And so because of God's glorious grace, saves Saul and puts these two men together to function and to be leadership in his church. And so we just looked at that leadership and we looked at them uh, getting serious about seeking God. And so what do they do? When they get serious, they start to pray and fast. And in praying and fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to them and sends two of them out. It ends up sending two of them out. And so at the leadership, the the people that were named there early on in, in the book of Acts chapter 13 there, you would think out of all of those people, the two that they would send out, the Holy Spirit would pick to send out would not be Paul and Barnabas. But that's who the Holy Spirit says, man, I want you to send out Paul and Barnabas. So you've got these two all-stars of the church there, two just all-star leadership. Like I'm thinking, like, like, like let's bring this thing in. Like, I mean, I'm thinking like Jordan and Pippin, you know, of the bulls back in their heyday. Like, like, like if you're gonna trade, you're not gonna get rid of them or you're not gonna bench them. But it's kind of almost like one of those things that that's who God says to send out, those two. So he sends out two of the great leaders in the church to go and plant churches, to go and share the gospel, to go let the the whole uh, world come to know of who Jesus Christ is by sending them out. And so then we kind of uh, closed and wound down with looking at what we do when God calls his people away. When God calls one of his saints away to do something different, and so how we celebrate what we do there, and then we see Paul and Barnabas go with this purpose of taking the gospel go and share the gospel. Tell this world, tell everyone everywhere the good news of Jesus Christ. And that was chapter 13. So I'm going to ask you if you'd pray with me this morning before we jump into 14, before we get going. God, I pray, Lord, this morning that you would speak. God, I pray that you would move, make your presence known in this place. God, I pray that you speak through me. God, give me words, not my own. Oh, God, not my own words, not my own thoughts, Lord, but may it be yours. God, may you just take and remove me, hide me behind your cross. God, my prayer, my hope this morning is all that the people see in this place is you, lifted high. So God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall heavy upon this place. God, we pray that you would do a work in us. God, that you would change us, God, by way of your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, whatever you see fit to do in this place. God, challenge us by way of your word. Oh, God, the the beautiful news of the gospel. Lord, help that just soak into our heart. God, may we catch fire. May we have a passion to, to share your gospel. Jesus, do a work. We plead, God, we beg. It's your name we pray. Amen. So we have Paul and Barnabas here in chapter 14. They're sent out by the Holy Spirit to make known the gospel. And so what they do is they go, they raise up disciples, make disciples. Uh, they plant churches. Uh, and as I said last week, uh, we know that the heart of the, uh, this is the heart of God, that this has taken place and happened simply because um, we are a long way from Jerusalem. I'm not real good with geography, but what I do know simply this is that God's will has uh, is is in place and is working and moving because we are a long way removed from Jerusalem. So we see that it's uh, taken place, that it's happened, that God is moving and spreading his gospel uh, in this world. And so what we know at this time in the scriptures is that the spread of the gospel was difficult. You didn't have uh, the, the technology that we have today. You don't have Facebook to get on air and hashtag something, share the gospel with, or you don't have uh, ways to to glorify and make God's uh, name known like we do today. You don't have Instagram where you can post some pictures about some things that God's done. Uh, so you don't have any of those kinds of things. They couldn't just pick up the phone and call the guys be like, all right, boys, we'll have a service down here. This it, it didn't work like that. So much, much more difficult. And so what we find out, what we know here in the scripture is simply this, is that Paul and Barnabas go and what we know about their first missionary journey is it took them approximately three years that they're out sharing the gospel on this missionary journey for about three years and they also end up traveling about a thousand to twelve hundred miles on this journey and so it's not like you just jump in a plane and jump over to this this little place or this little city over here and then you can get in a car and you can take it by by road over to here there's none of that all of this was by foot all of this is they, they walk and they go. And as they go, they're sharing the gospel. As they go, they're, they're staying in little uh, towns and they're, they're proclaiming who Jesus is, raising up disciples, planting churches. All of that takes place. And we'll see in Acts 14, 26, as we start twine down this morning, that, that, that they come back to report at Antioch all that God has done in the known world. And so I just believe with everything in me that this needs to be the heart of our church, that, that we need to be passionate about this exact same thing, We need to be a church that is active in pursuing uh, the mission of God in our present day. We need to be serious about the things that God is serious about. We need to be willing to go where other people don't go. We need to be willing to do what other people will not do for the sake of the gospel. And that's what we see taking place here in the book of Acts. And so some things that I believe that we need to be about church is sharing the gospel. We need to be serious about telling people about Jesus Christ. Uh, the illustration that i've used in the past has been this is um i can remember when we had our our first one i say we meredith had our first baby boy and i was so excited right as a new dad i'm excited like we're constantly taking pictures like if he does something which which gets something could be nothing like he's just laying there and it's like oh he's just so cute and you just snap a picture well he almost rolled over snap a picture he makes like this weird sound and oh we got to get that on video so what do you, you start poking him to try to get him to make that weird sound again so we can capture this moment for everyone to see right I mean this is awesome this is amazing and so you get all amped up about this and so i can remember um, early on whenever brody was just months old mary and i are in walmart and we're shopping and as we're shopping she goes on around the corner we're in the produce department and here comes that poor soul that poor walmart employee and she parks herself right next to me as i'm just taking in the splendor of the of the garden section you know all this lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers all that stuff but i'm just taking it in and she's like sir can i help you i'm like can you help me yes ma'am you can and the poor innocent bystander had no idea what was coming so i whip out my phone and i'm like take a look at that these greens has nothing on that oh she's like sir is that i said yes ma'am that sure is my boy i'm like boop and right there he is again there he is again there he is again watch this if you push this right here it gives you like a three second clip sir what did he do i said it doesn't matter what he did right i mean is that not awesome and like i'm just geeked up about it it's my boy and i'm excited and so she kind of finally disengages from me and she walks off, probably thinking, get security, but she walks off. And as I start to go around the corner, God does one of those things that God does. Kind of gut punches you. You know what I'm talking about? I think, I think a good word is called conviction. And so I just, I just wanna say, church, conviction is a good thing. It just shows the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, God doing something. And what he convicted me of that day, I'll never forget as long as I live he said to me, not in a voice, but just in my heart by way of the Holy Spirit, he says, Scott, that is great that you're so proud of that little baby boy that I've given you. But he said, Scott, why aren't you that excited about me? Why don't you get that geeked up to, to tell somebody about me? Your little baby boy, as cool as he may be, because I've created him as cool as he is and as awesome as he is, and he's gonna have spiky hair like you one day and it's gonna be glorious. But besides all that, what can that little baby boy do for anybody in this world? But what can I do for him, Scott? When I can give him everything. I can save their soul. I can rescue them. I can ransom them. I can redeem them. And little Brody can only tell them about me. He can't save not one person. But, Scott, I can save fallen man. And in that, he just, he just wore me out and then I came across this stat, and I've read it before, and I just want to read it again. The stat says this. It says that, that 90% of believers, 90% of believers will die without ever sharing their faith with anybody. 90%. And we would say this morning that the, the love of our life is Jesus, that the apple of our eye, the greatest affection of our heart would be that for Jesus, but nine out of 10 people in this room will never tell anybody about Jesus before God takes them home. I mean, how sad is that? But we will tell them about our team. We will show them goofy little pictures of our boy cooing in a a minute. But we won't tell them about the one that can save their soul, that can rescue and redeem them from their sin. And God just convicted me of that. And church, what we see here early on in the gospel is Paul going and doing that very thing, sharing the gospel, telling of the one that can save and can rescue fallen men. That's what we see. That's what we experience. I read, a, I read another um, statistic this week that just blew me away, broke my heart. And it, it said this, it says that almost half of millennials Half of millennials born in that time period, millennials, 47% agree at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith and hope that they will one day, sh- one day share the same faith. I mean, is, is that not a gut punch, church? 50% of millennials, almost 50% of millennials say that we shouldn't even be sharing the gospel with people that don't know Jesus. Just let them kind of figure it out or, or stumble upon it themselves. And, and, but, but the problem of that is this, is that it's contrary to the, to the gospel, where to go and share it's con- contrary to the word of God, where to go, where're to share, where to make disciples, where to raise people up. And the way that we do that is by engaging them with the Word of God, engaging them with the truth of the scriptures. And so they say almost half of millennials say not to. I think another thing that we need to be about is this is walking out community, the very thing that we see in Acts 242, where we're doing life together. It says that they break bed, that they gather at the temple, that, that, they, that they have meals together, they do all of this stuff, they worship Jesus Christ together. We need to be doing that, living life together, being the community of God. Those are some things that I believe that we need to be serious about, that we need to be intent about as the body of Christ. So my question for you this morning is this, why did Paul and Barnabas make such an impact? Why did they make, make such an impact in this world at this time? Why are we not making this kind of an impact in our world? I believe the first thing, the reason why they made such an impact is they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, they were seeking God to fill them. They weren't seeking everything else. They didn't want everything else. Everything else didn't take precedence in their life. Everything else wasn't raised to utmost importance in their life. No, they were seeking God. They wanted to be filled by His Holy Spirit. And I think another reason why they made such an impact was this, is they lived in such contrast to the present way of life. They lived in such contrast to the way of of life at this time that that they stuck out, that they got got noticed that something different was about them, that, that people wanted to see, wanted to know, wanted to hear. Hear me, church, we'll never be much of any impact, much of any impact at all if we're just like the world, if we're not different. If we act like, if we talk like, if we love like, if we give like, if we raise our kids like, if we like, if we discipline like, if we suffer like, and that like list could go on and on and on, we will make no difference if we're like that. If we look just like the world, because the reality is this, is if we look just like them, whenever we suffer, whenever we have hardship, or when we have good times, or whenever, whatever with our kids, or whenever we play, however it is we want to play and enjoy life, if we look just like them in doing that, then whenever they have hardship, when they have struggle, when they have whatever going on in their life, why would they come to us to ask questions? Why would they come to us to, to seek more? If we're not living like that new creation indwelt by the presence of God, why would they, why would they wanna know? If our life looks just like their life, if there's been no real change uh, by the way of the gospel in our life or by the reality of what the cross stands for, if there's been no change, why would they come? Why would they ask? So we need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that the world can't help but take notice. We need to be so intent on living out Jesus in this world that the, that the world takes notice as they see the very hope that we have within us. So my prayer for us here at New Life is that we'll get serious, we'll be that serious about what God is serious about. And in that, he will use us in this world just to set a completely different trajectory for Bowen Springs, for Inman, for the upstate, for South Carolina, for North Carolina, even to the ends of the earth. And so what we're going to do this morning is I'm just going to hit a few highlights of Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, and so I'm going to story a little bit, and then after I story some and kind of get us to a place and uh, see something kind of jump out in the Scripture, we'll kind of hone in a little bit, and we'll look at what God's saying, what God's doing, and we'll, we'll chat for a bit, and then we'll, we'll, we'll zoom back out for a moment, and we'll kind of story and continue on uh, in this chapter till we come to another thing that I believe we need to just kind of hone in on this morning. And so that's kind of what it'll look like. So Acts 14 is where we'll start. Verse one, I'm gonna story a little bit and then we'll get to verse seven. Verse seven is gonna be a landing, landing pad for us for just a few moments. But what happens here is you see they get to Iconium and they went as they always did to the meeting place of where the, the Jews would give their message. So they gather there and the message convinced both Jews and non-Jews and, and not just a little bit, of, not just a few people, but, but a lot of people hear this message. But what happens is you have the unbelieving Jews. They started to work up some false claims. They started to spread and kind of share some things that weren't true against Paul and Barnabas. They started to sow mistrust and suspicion in the minds of the people there. And, uh, and then the two apostles, they were there for a while. They, they continued to stay there and they continued to, to speak and proclaim the gospel openly and freely and confidently. And as they presented clear evidences of, of God's gifts, confirming uh, just by the, the works of their miracles and the wonders that God did through them, but then something happens. Something happens. There's this split. Some start to side with the Jews and some with the apostles and there's just kind of this, this split Till one day learning that both the Jews and non-Jews had devised a plan to stone them. What they do is they end up leaving and moving to the next town. They come to Lyconia, Lystra, Derby and some of those surrounding country areas there. And then in verse seven, look at what verse seven says. It says, and there they continued to preach the gospel. So what we see here is when these men and women, whenever, whenever for these two men here sharing the gospel, when times get hard, they don't just pack it up and call it quits. They don't just stop when it starts to get difficult. And so we, church, we've got to understand something, that we're in a battle. That you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are engaged in war. We are in a battle. And hear me, wars are exhausting. Wars wear you out, especially long ones. Especially long ones. That's why we're often tired. That's why as believers, sometimes it's difficult to keep going. But hear me, it is so worth it to continue to follow Jesus. It's so worth it to continue to engage in the battle, to engage in the war. We can't just check out, and that's what we see here. They don't check out, but they continue to preach the gospel. They continue to press in. That's what we have to do. I mean, many soldiers who experience the fierceness of combat, they want to get out. They want to push pause. They want to quit. And so I believe That's why we're tempted to escape. That's why we're tempted to give up, but we can't. I mean, I mean, there Man, is too much riding on it. The, the cost is too great. We can't disengage. So what do we do in those moments when we want to quit? What do we do in those moments when it seems to be too much, when the war seems to be a surmounting on us? What do we do? We look to Jesus is what Hebrews 12, 2 says. We know that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. We fight the good fight as Paul tells young Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, uh, 6, 12. We fight that good fight. We don't quit. And then what he tells them later on in 2 Timothy 4, 7 is that we finish the race. We keep going. We don't stop, but we press in and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, to fill us and we just keep going. And so when you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. That's what, that's what we're guaranteed. We will get what is promised, his great eternal reward. So hear me, church, we have got to measure against all eternity. The current things that we face now against eternity. Oh, this is such a short time. Here and now, the, the, the Psalms describes it like this. What is life but a vapor? And it's here for a short period and then it's gone. This is not long to be engaged. We must engage See, that's where Paul and Barnabas' focus was at, eternity. They were focused in eternity. I mean, what can you do to a man that's that not afraid to die? I mean, honestly, what can you do to someone that, is, that doesn't fear death? And that's what we see in the Apostle Paul. Death's no big thing. Well, if I die, then I get to be with Jesus for all eternity. That was his mindset. That was, that was his perspective. That's where he was at. So he weighed everything against eternity. The, the, the current struggles of the day meant nothing compared to eternity. I'll take it here because I get eternity there with Jesus. Look at verse eight, it says, now at Lystra, there was a man sitting uh, who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. And, and so what I see here is I see that, that, that Barnabas and Paul, they're aware of their surroundings. Uh, they flee because they, they, they realize something's coming either by way of Holy Spirit or they're, they're just aware of some some unrest in the moment. And so they, they flee, they, they walk to the next town, they go to the next places. And so what we see here is that they're aware of this man who's crippled from birth, uh, that has never walked. And and so they're they're aware of things. And hear me, church, we as the men and women of God need to be aware. We need to be aware and notice things that others don't notice. We need to be looking and seeing and taking in. We need to look for opportunities to to love and to serve. We need to be looking for opportunities, even if it takes us out of our comfort zone. Even if God stretches us and pulls us and calls us to be uncomfortable. Because, hear me, church, following Jesus is very, very uncomfortable in a world that wants nothing to do with Jesus. Following after Christ is going to be very uncomfortable. It's going to be very difficult in a world that wants nothing to do with Jesus. So, we might as well get used to it. We're going to be stretched. We're going to be challenged by, by following Jesus. He's going to call us out of our comfort zone. I can remember. Um, I can remember this is kind of a, a, a big example of being out of your comfort zone. I can remember in my first, uh, first church as a student pastor. Uh, it was one night after service and uh, a young lady comes up to me and she's like, hey, I brought my friend. I'm like, girl, that's awesome. You brought a friend and we do that little thing. I'm like, whatever we do. And after that, I'm like, man, that's great. You keep inviting friends and bringing them. She said, but Scott, there's a problem. And I said, what's that? He's got nowhere to go. I'm like, what do you mean he's got nowhere to go? I said, you picked him up from somewhere, right? Oh well, yeah, yeah, I picked him up from somewhere. Well, just drop him off where he picked him up at that's how it normally works she's like yes it does but the problem is this his mom has kicked him out of his house i said well that's that is definitely a problem so he can't come back she said no i said if you don't mind me asking why is that well he's just come out and he said that he's gay i said he, so she kicked him out because of that She's like yeah yeah kicked him out he can't go back home so what are you going to do scott <laughs> i'm like that's you brought him um I said that's that's a, that's a great question I said so there's no way I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take him home with me and then we'll get it sorted out there and so I can remember coming through the door um, mayor was there she'd beat me home and we come through the door and um, I have him go sit on the couch she's kind of in the kitchen I'm like babe I need to talk to you in the bedroom for a moment she's like okay who's that I'm like we'll talk about it in a second it's gonna be awesome she's like okay what, what's up I said, well, he got kicked out of his house. She's like, that's not good. I said, no, it's not. So do you know what that means? He needs a place to stay. And her will, she starts to see in my eyes. I've got that glazed over, like, like I'm, I'm excited about this look. She's like, Scott, no. I said, baby, we need to do this. I like, but Scott, I said, I know, I know, I know. She's like, well, why did he get kicked out? And I told her, she's like, Scott. I said, baby, I know it. But I man, we've got the very hope that He needs. We've got the gospel. that, And I'm like, look, this is what I'm saying. If you live in my house, you're going to go by my rules. That's how it works, right? I mean, you, you, I, don't care. I don't care if my kids are six or they're 26. You're in my house, we're going, we're going to go by my rules. I said, so baby, what we're going to do is this, is he's going to be with us and he's going to be with me. I mean, I work at a church. He doesn't have a job now. He's going to be stuck to my hip with me everywhere I go. And you know what I get to do? I get to build a relationship. I get to pour in the gospel to him. I get to do all of those kinds of things. When we have church, he's going to be there. Oh, by the way, there's this conference coming up this weekend. Guess where his tail's going? To the conference. What the conference is about? All about Jesus. So we're going to give this kid Jesus as much as he can handle or can't handle. We're going to give him Jesus. He's going to see what it looks like to follow Jesus in every area of his life. And you know, what? I don't have the great story where he got gloriously saved and everything. I don't I have that story. But what I have is I have a month and a half of getting to pour into this young man living in my house because his mom and dad didn't want him, because of choices that he's made, sinful choices that he has made. And but I had the opportunity to pour into, to love on, to show and share Jesus Christ with him. And so that's a big example there. That's, just, that's, that's something big of, of an opportunity or just kind of being aware of situations. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking about even being aware of the smallest things. I'm talking about your coworker, the one that you sit across from every day at work. Or I'm talking about the one that you go to lunch with every day or the one that, that you're aware of that may be down at the end of the hall in that office. I'm talking about stuff like that. Just being aware of all of these things that are happening. I mean, it could just be that simple. It could be as simple as, man, can I just pray with you today? Or can we go to lunch? And I just, I just want to hear your story. Where have you come from? What's God, what does God mean to you? Anything. It could be all kinds of, of ways that we can just engage into small ways. It doesn't have to be big, big ways to do it. Just small, small things that we can do where we just take notice, where we just be aware of maybe what's going on in someone's life. And look at what happens in verse nine. It says that he listened to Paul speaking. So this crippled guy sees Paul And he listens to what Paul says. And look at what Paul says. Paul looking intently at him. Paul notices something. Paul's checking this man out. He's looking through the crippled uh, uh, state that he's in. He's looking through all of that. And he says, And seeing that he had faith to be made well. So Paul sees something in this man. Paul noticed and took notice of something in this man. And I'm afraid that we don't see because we're not looking. I'm afraid we're so uh, uh, consumed with us, with me, that we miss them that we miss those opportunities. Uh, Church, it's not, I don't believe that God's not moving today. I just believe that we're not aware of him moving. It's not that God's not speaking today. Have we slowed down and pushed pause long enough to hear his voice? Have we seeked him like they're seeking him here in the book of Acts? I mean, are we desperate for him? Man, I can remember talking to uh, some friends that I had that have served in Papua New Guinea and they, they, they lived the majority of their life there and they said one of the things that we are most heartbroken by for the church is the people here. Don't be sad for us because we're being uh, re, uh, in, 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 um, introduced back into culture and life here. He says, no, 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 don't be sad for us. I'm. I'm sad for you guys. All the distractions, all the things that, that takes precedence in your life. And what we see here is Paul looks intently at him. When was the last time you looked intently at someone? When was the last time you, I mean, you really looked past the junk, past the, maybe the crippled state that they're in or the difficulties, and you just looked into their heart. You looked into their soul to see, do they know Jesus? Do they not? Where does their hope come from? Like, I'm an eye contact guy. Like, I can't go anywhere with that. I'm, I'm an eye, like, I, I look at you, you know what I'm saying? I look at you. I give you that, I look at you as we pass by. I don't put my head, I mean, I want, I want to see. Like, I look, and that gets me into so much trouble. Like, there's time we go on vacation, and like, family's vacation, and I'm over here talking to so-and-so, because I'm an eye contact guy. But it's like, Scott, just walk with your head down my baby give me a second and so it's just so it's just we need to be eye contact people church we need to be aware of and look for those opportunities to share the love of Christ to look for the hurt in people's life to to look for those those times those areas where maybe maybe we could step in and we can show the love of Jesus we can share the love of Christ with them but we see Paul here looking intently seeing that there was something different about him and look at what happens in verse 10 he says with a loud voice, Stand upright to your feet. And he sprang up and he began walking. I mean, imagine for a moment, this story wouldn't even be here. This story would not even be in the scriptures right now. In the book of Acts, as he's journeying along, as, as he's going and planting churches and raising up disciples and putting leadership intact in these different towns for the church, as, as he's doing all of those things, this story would not be here if Paul hadn't been aware. If Paul hadn't been an eye contact kind of guy. This man would have not been made whole and healed. I'm not even worried that he can walk. I'm more worried about his soul and about his heart. Like, like that wouldn't have, would have never happened if Paul wasn't on mission and living in such a missional way that he saw the man, that he looked through him. Church, when was the last time we looked at somebody? When was the last time we made eye contact? Uh, not, not to see the stuff, but to, but to see through that, to see their heart, to see if we could figure out and find out where that, when was the last time we lived missionally like that? I mean, imagine how many opportunities we miss. Imagine how many opportunities and things that we miss because we keep our head down and we just walk. We're just in our own little world, in our own little thing. Oh, if Jesus pops up somewhere, great. There's got to be an explosion somewhere to get our attention, something monumental to grab a hold of us. But not Paul, man. He walked intently looking as he went. That's the way we need to be, church. And it goes on in, in verses 11 and just kind of story a little bit more about what's going on in the crowd. They see what Paul had done and they go crazy. Like they get excited about this. And so what they do is they start calling out the gods have come down, they're here with us. These men, they're not men, but they're gods. And so they called Barnabas Zeus and they called Paul Hermes because Paul did most of the speaking. And so what we have is the priest at the, at the local zoo shrine here, he, he gets up this parade and they're gonna have this celebration and they get bulls and banners and they get people that, that line the streets and the gates and they're ready for this to go to this ritual of sacrifice. But what happens is Paul and Barnabas, gets, they're made aware of this, and when they realize what's going on, they, they stop them. They, they stop, they're broken over this. They, they wave their arms, they tear their clothes, they lament, they interrupt, them, they say, don't do that, no. What are, you, what are you doing? We're not gods, we're just men like you. There's nothing special about us, we're just men. We're here to bring you the message of hope, the message of life to, to persuade you to abandon the silly God superstitions, little g, God superstitions that you embrace, that you'll turn to the one and only true living God, Him, we, we we don't make God, but he, he makes us. That's what he does. He makes all of this, the sky, the earth, all of these things that you see, the sea, everything. That's what he makes. He says, In this generation before us, God let all the different nations go their own way, but 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 even then he didn't leave them without a clue. That he still give them evidence and still give them proof. For he made the creation. He poured down rain and he gave crops. So when you have your bellies full, your hearts are happy. There's the evidence, there's the evidence of good. There's the evidence of God going beyond and doing much more than you could ever imagine. And so talking fast and hard like this, they prevented them from carrying out all the sacrifices that they wanted to make to these gods. And then look at what happens in verse 19 as we kind of just just hone in a little bit more. It says, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead, but look at verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. On the next day, he went on with Barnabas to derb. How mind blown is this? I'm like, are you kidding me? What do you have to do for God to cut you a break? I'm like, I'm out. If, like, I'm just going to project for a moment. This is Scott. That's Paul. This is, like, if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, are you kidding me, right? Like, honestly? Like, I, I apparently was so far gone that, that they thought that I was actually dead. Like, like they hitting me with rocks. I mean, like, like physical, I mean, they are beating me to death with these things. And God, I'm out here doing your thing. I mean, we prayed and fasted about this for a moment. We felt like your Holy Spirit told us to go and I'm out here going and then you, you let this happen. Like I'm over here for a moment, just throwing a pity party, you know? Like I'm gonna give God a piece of my mind for a second. Being aware that he'll probably do the little Job thing with me. All right, boy, gird yourself. Let's talk about this for a second if you wanna talk. You big bad thing you think you are. We'll have a conversation if you want to, but that's just that's where I'm going. But not Paul. That's not him. I'm just like I'm blown. I'm blown away by this. I mean, what do you have to do? I mean, like he's out there for God and His glory. I mean, is this not? I mean, is that not just our mentality today? God, I'm doing this for you, and oh, I stubbed my toe. Or God, I'm out here. I'm doing this for you. Oh, I got a flat tire. Or God, I'm out here doing this for you, and oh, what happened? Why did you this happen? Why did that go wrong? God, I'm out here doing this for you. But what's even crazier about this story is look at what happens next. Look at what happens next. Verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made disciples. Okay. So he'd been pelted by stones enough to be left for dead. All right? So he's not like, he's not squirming around, he's not like he is like he appears to be gone dead no longer life in him and they leave him and they go away the disciples gather about him and then oh by the way he gets up I mean does he just dust himself off like give me a little salve right here okay yeah we got, let's go boys we got something to do I mean I mean what is he doing it says that he goes on and he preached the gospel to that city and they made many disciples I mean like this is this not crazy he's just been stoned apparently so well that he was left for dead I'm checking out I'm thinking what's going on but, but not Paul no 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 not the apostle Paul Hmm, he keeps on preaching the gospel, and making disciples. Like, I'm at least taking like a three-week hyenas. You know, like, I'm, I'm gonna need a wheelchair. I'm gonna need some, um, some medicine. I'm gonna need some, something good. To do. I'm gonna need some, some of that kind of stuff to get me back on my feet. Not Paul, he just gets up and he goes. He keeps preaching the gospel, making disciples. See, the thing is, in our world today, is if we're made fun of, if we're poked fun at, if we don't get enough likes on a post, if we're talk, talked bad about, if we're not invited in, if somebody doesn't look at us and kind of give us one of those things, then it's over. Like, we're de- we fall apart. N- not my man Paul here. Pa- Paul takes physical abuse for the cause of the gospel, and he gets back up, and he goes, and he proclaims it. It didn't even slow him down. It didn't even stop. Like, we don't see anywhere where it says, okay, well, he took two weeks off to kind of get back on his. No, he just, he's like, all right, let's go, boys. We got something to be doing. Am I good? Good. Look? Okay, well, let's go. And he just goes and he proclaims the gospel and people's lives are changed. And he makes disciples. He keeps preaching. In our world, like I said, we're done. So so my question for you is this. Why didn't he quit or give up? Why didn't the apostle Paul quit or give up? It's a great question. I want to read a verse to you in 2 Corinthians 4.17. Listen to this for a moment. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this. Paul pens this letter to the Corinthians and he says this. light. Momentary affliction is preparing, you, preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Listen for a moment, more time to that. Light momentary affliction is doing what it's doing. It's preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What he's saying, church, is this is soon gonna be over. This momentary affliction, stone here, getting whipped there, getting left out in the open sea in a shipwreck, Crawling up to to the land as I walk on the beach, a snake bites me. All of those things is Paul's story. All of that is just momentary affliction for something greater. God in that is doing a work in him, preparing him, using those momentary afflictions as a compared to eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Man, you suffer, church, and you suffer well. You get pelted with stones, and you take it. You, you get made fun of. You get all of this stuff happen to you, and as you do that, you just compare that to the weight of eternal glory. It doesn't even come close. He's saying, man, God, he's your great reward. He will be your inheritance he will be what you want forever that's what i'm doing i'm preparing and doing a work in you where i'm getting you ready for that these momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the eternity that you have with christ jesus that's what he's doing so paul is so driven by and always looking to that reality that's why i said you, you can't touch a man that's not afraid to die he didn't fear death he longed for it he didn't hold too tightly to the things of this world If I've got a lot, praise be to God. If I don't have anything, praise be to God. Why? Because I get God. That's what I get. That's where Paul's heart is. That's where Barnabas, that's where they turn. That's where they go. Man, these momentary afflictions are nothing. So hear me, church. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're fighting, whatever has been said about us, whatever's come against us, whatever uh, fun we've been made of, whatever the case is, that's nothing compared to the momentary afflictions. That's just for a moment is what Paul's saying. Man, That's that's just going to be a blip on the screen compared to eternal glory, That's all it, put your mind on eternity is what he's saying. Get your eyes off of you and your circumstance and look to Jesus. He's saying look to Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. That's what you need to do. Be driven by that. Not likes and applause and pats on the back, but but be driven by the reality of who Christ Jesus is and him being made much of and him being, his glory and his honor being made known regardless of the stones that are thrown, regardless of the afflictions that we face. That's where we're to look. That's where we're to turn. It says, and they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. What Paul's saying here as he returns back is he says this, because I can just imagine that story circulated. Paul, you, you got stoned? Like, like you, you, and they left you, for, but you just get up? And you just keep... That happened? Like, I can just imagine those stories going, but what Paul says, oh, no, 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 no. What Paul says to them here is, hey, if you live long enough for Jesus, it's gonna hurt along the way. That's part of it. That's God doing a work in you. That's God preparing you for eternal glory is what he's doing. So all those cuts, all of those bruises, all of those things that we go through All the battles that we fight and we ended up busted up and cut and bleeding, all of that stuff is because God's working and working us. He's sanctifying us. He's setting us apart for his glory, for his honor. He's shaping us and molding us into the image of his beloved son. I'm just reminded of this verse. I just want to read it to you. Romans 8, 28. It's one that we quote a lot, but but, but we really need to hear it because it tags right along with this whole thought of, man, whenever difficulties come against us, whenever persecutions we face. and, And hear me, from what I know about the men and women in this room, I don't think our life has ever been threatened for the cause of the gospel. Paul faced physical death, gets back up, and goes and tells people about Jesus. And look at what he pins later on in the book of Romans eight twenty eight. He says, "And we know, we can be certain of this is what he's saying. We know we're where we. Know, this is certainty that for those who, so we can know this without a shadow of a doubt that those who the who are the ones the who here, those that love God." So for those of us that love God, for those of us that are part of his family, for those of us who are believers, who've come to faith in Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross, and we know that for those who love God, all things, church, what things? All things. Every single thing that we grow through, all things, what do they do? They work together for good. The persecution that you face, it's working a greater work in you is what it is don't overlook it we want to so quickly get out of get out of the difficulties to get out of the struggles to get out of the hardships we want so badly for the horrific times to be done and over hear me some of the greatest times in my life is whenever i've struggled the most some of the greatest times in my life with the lord is what i'm talking about is whenever i have went through difficulties whenever i've had to fight the hardships whenever i've bled a little bit those are the greatest times that i have in the lord what Paul's saying here to the Romans, what he said to the believers here at Antioch. Man, all of those things, God is working, doing a work in you. All of that, all of that stuff that he's doing is to get you, to get your eyes off of you and put your eyes on him. Because I don't know where you run to in times of affliction. I don't know where you run to in times of difficulty. But hear me, if it's not Jesus, you're going to be left hurting. If it's not Jesus, you're going to be left bleeding out. If it's not Jesus, then he's loving and gracious enough to let you go through it again to get your eyes on him. That's what I've learned. God is the greatest lesson teacher that I've ever met, and he loves me so much that he will let me continue to go through lesson after lesson after lesson until I learn. Well, because he's a good father. That's good, absolutely. Why? Because I know my heart. I know my tendencies. And I know that I need to get over me. And I need to get into Jesus. And if if I don't go through those sometimes, like, you know, those of you that got kids, you know, son, don't touch that. What's he do? He touches it. Ah. Son, don't touch that. What's he do? He touches it again. Son, don't, I told you, don't touch that. What does he do? He touches it again. Until he finally learns his lesson. And God's the same way. He loves us enough to let us go sometimes but but listen and we know that for those who love God okay that's the asterisk those who love God those are who who in who are in Christ Jesus those who love God all things work together for good I believe that those that are outside of God when God allows things to happen to them he's doing a work in them to try to get their attention to draw them to him but for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose what God's saying is, man, he's preparing you, he's working you over, he's got something for you to be about and to be doing in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of those times when you are stoned and left bleeding, God is doing a work. And the thing that I love about it the most is for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, he doesn't just leave us there bleed out. He is with us every step of the way. Every step. Remember the Great Commission, and, and lo, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. He's with us, walking with us through those things. Look at verse 23, it says, and when they had uh, appointed elders for them in every church, so they, when they were out, they appointed elders in the church, they raised up leadership there, and it says they did it with praying and fasting church. We just need to take notice of that. You, you see that theme over and over and over in the book of Acts. We need to be a church that prays, we need to be a church that fasts, we need to be a church, what they're doing is they're seeking God in everything. They want to know for sure, God, we're going, to, we're going to pray and seek you. And that's what prayer does. It shows dependency on him. That's what fasting does. Fasting says, I'm going to give up this, this thing that I need to survive and to live and to, that brings life. I'm going to give up an essential in my life. Why? Because you are so much greater and I need you so much more. That's what fasting is. I'm going to give up food because, God, I need you. I want to hunger for you. And every time I have this pain in my belly, I am reminded of my great need for you. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna seek you in prayer. So they're doing that. It says that they commit them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they set up as how it should be and led and governed in the churches there and they work their way back to Antioch and look at verse 27. It says, and when they arrive and they gather the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. And how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they celebrate what God has done. I I just believe that needs to be us. When God does a work in his people to accomplish his mission, we should be excited. We should be amped up about that. When someone comes from death to life, when someone takes a step uh, in obedience of following him, all those things are important. And that's what we see here, them celebrating. And it says, and they remain no little time with the disciples. So what they're saying is, is that they stay there for a little while before they're about to be sent out again. They're there in Antioch telling these stories, sharing the gospel, raising up more disciples there. So this morning to close, I've just got some questions for you. Is there any, can these guys come back up to lead us? The question I've got for you is this. Number one, have you bought into the mission of the church? I mean, have you fully bought in? Are you fully a part? Are you sharing the gospel? When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? And the thing is this, is it doesn't have to be all like abrasive and it doesn't have to be all like, like, I mean, you you just, you can just mention Let me tell you what Jesus has been doing in my life. When was the last time you started a conversation like that? Let me tell you what God's been teaching me. Well, I don't believe in God. That's fine, but I do. And this is what he's done in my life. All I know, man, is I I used to be a selfish, no good, self-consumed little punk. And now because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life, I'm a little bit less of all that because God is working on me. I still have that every once in a while, but he's doing this work in me whereby he's changing me from me to him. I mean, it can be as simple as that. It can be as simple as going, inviting somebody out for coffee, sitting at lunch with somebody you don't normally sit with and just, I am mean, about to eat. Can I, is it okay if I pray? I'm gonna pray for mine. Can I pray for yours? I mean, just starting a little bit whereby you can work your way into sharing the gospel, talking more and more about Jesus. Are you living in community? But are you doing what the early church did? Who are you journeying with? Who are you doing life with inside the body of Christ? Yeah, we need to do life outside the body with non-believers. We need to share and love and walk with, but we need, to, we need to be recharged and replenished inside the body. So who are you walking out life with inside the body? Who's holding you accountable? Who's loving you? Who's praying for you? Who's challenging you? Who's calling you on your junk? Who are you sharing maybe convictions that God's put on your heart with? I mean, who, We need those things. Breaking bread together, we need those things that we see over in Acts two. Living out Jesus is the question, church. Because us looking like the world will never reach the world. Me saying the same things that the world says will never reach the world whenever the world's in need and they're hurting. Me acting like responding to, looking like, and I'm not talking about what we wear. I'm talking we we need to be holy and set apart. We need to be uh, purity, man. Modest is the hottest, always, always. You hear me? You got, Modest is the hottest. Cover that thing up. Nobody wants to see that. That's the way Christ has called us to live and be. That's what we, that's living out Jesus. Second question I would ask you is this, man. Have you been detached lately from God's mission? Just let God, by way of his Holy Spirit, recharge you. I know we're engaged in battle. And hear me, battle wears you out. I'm no different, but I've been, t- this why I've been tired this week. I just feel like I've been kicked around a little bit, you know? that's part of the christian life man so you know what i do i don't just quit and disengage like i didn't turn my phone off i didn't like well i'm just gonna put this thing up for a little while heck with that no i didn't no what did i do i ran to it Why? because i need it all the more when i'm tired what do i need when i'm tired i need rest and where do i find rest he says come to me all of you who are burdened and, and weary laden find rest in me is what he says you discouraged right here's encouragement you're beat up right here's the staff for the for the healing you're confused right here's the answer That's where we run to, we don't disengage, we press in. Don't check out, whatever you do, don't stop. For heaven's sake, don't stop. And I mean it, for heaven's sake, don't stop. Because people are watching, and they wanna see how we respond. The world takes notice, whether you realize it or not, there are people watching you everywhere you go. People that may know you, may not know you, they are watching. Another question I'd have for you is this, are you aware of those around you? When was the last time you just looked at someone in the eye to see their heart? When was the last time you just gazed intently as like Paul did? Man, you just saw something in somebody hurting. He said, man, I want to pray for you. I I just want to give you a hug. I just want to share Jesus with you any way that I possibly can. When was the last time that we just stopped long enough to look at somebody in the eye intently enough to see where their heart and where their soul's headed? And the last question I would ask you is this. This, this is a tough one. What's gonna cause you to quit and give up? What is it? What, what, what could happen right now that would cause you to walk away from your faith? Because church, the answer should be nothing. Because hear me this morning, my faith isn't dependent upon not another person in this planet. There are great men of faith that go crazy every day and that should not derail not one person in this room from following Jesus Christ just because some believer does something stupid because somebody goes off the crazy train and they just, th- that should not. Or because I get made fun of, or because I, I get persecuted, or because they, they didn't like my Facebook post, and man, it, it was a good one. Or they didn't friend me, or they defriend. What is gonna cause you to quit or give up in following Jesus? In church, our answer should be nothing. We should never quit following and pursuing Jesus man, I get we need time to recharge and be filled, but we need to even guard against just complete complacency and checking out. My man Paul, our brother Paul, was stoned and left for dead. And he didn't quit. He gets back up and he goes on preaching the gospel and making disciples. He didn't even take vacation. He just keeps up. Man, there is a mission filled out there and there are people that need to hear about Jesus and there's nothing that's gonna stop me. What would it take this morning for you to turn and quit and give up? Whatever the answer to that question is, that's sin. And that needs to be repented of. That's what needs to happen. So I don't know what God's pressed on your heart this morning. I don't know what he's done in you by way of his word, but I wanna encourage you this morning, man, this altar is here if you need to pray, if you need somebody to love on you and pray with you, cry with you, whatever you need this morning, man, we, wanna, we wanna live out gospel community. So whatever that looks like this morning you be obedient to what god calls you and leads you to lord help us this morning in this place to hear your voice to follow after you to be obedient to what you're calling us to do god help us not check out god help us to have that fervent faith oh zealous faith god to come after you no matter what god if we get stoned this week then bring it on god because what we know is you are working a far greater work in us than we could ever ever imagine Oh, God, may your Holy Spirit fill us and may you pick us up and dust us off and God, give us that gospel mission to continue to go after. God, help us be aware this week. Help us to to slow down for a moment, put our phone down, disconnect from a second and just be able to look intently at people, see where they're at. God, we'll never reach them if we don't see them. God, help us. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys stand, respond as Eric leads us this morning. Whatever he's pressed upon your heart, you be obedient to.